case of diarrhea. I have a bad case of diarrhea. I have a bad case of diarrhea. I have a bad case of diarrhea. Listen, living, listening to Synchronon. Sick and wrong. Yes, you listen to the Sick and Wrong. The Sick and Wrong, the world source for antisocial commentary. God, what a bunch of scumbags. Good evening. Welcome to Sick and Wrong, the world source for antisocial commentary. I'm your host, Uncle D. Simon. Oh my God. Uncle D. Well done. Uncle D. That's What's you. up, Kate? Actong motherfuckers. Uncle D here. Uncle D. I know, I like the I sound of that. Yeah, that's you now. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm totally stoked about being Uncle D. Uncle D. I think D. it's cool. Yeah, so uh, Friday, March 12th, um, 1.38 a.m., my irritable bowel sister brought baby boy Shmuley into this He's world. He's here. No, I'm super, I'm so, yeah, I'm so happy. It's like, it was, it really is probably one of the coolest things or the coolest thing to ever happen to my cursed family. <laughs> I mean, just so much shitty stuff has happened to my family, you know, over the past decades that to have like a simcha, as the Jews call it, something, you know, something incredible happened like this, which some new blood, to be honest, we didn't think it was really going to happen. <laughs> and it, I mean, my sister's older, you know, it's hard to get pregnant when you're older. I'm um, just a couple years younger than me. Um, but it's amazing. Healthy baby boy, Shmuley. Well, she hasn't officially named him yet, but um, I'm he's hoping, Shmuley. I'm hoping it's I bet Shmuley. he's, he's coming out that hospital as Shmuley. As well, Shmuley. it's definitely a nickname that's going to stick. You know, I was 98% certain it was going to be a boy. Like for some, it was really weird. Like I was like, I know this is going to be a boy. And I don't think it's because, you know, I bought him Slayer and Misfits onesies. But those are gender neutral, to be honest. Aren't they? Of course they are. Yeah, of course yeah. they are. Wait. I never doubt, I never thought it was gonna be a girl. I I had strong schmooly vibes from. Yeah, I, d- I just knew it was gonna be a boy. My sister didn't want to know, so she went in and just kind of was like, "Whatever comes out, I'm gonna love it," you know. Yeah, she kind of uh, has to. <laughs> that's that's has the rule. To. But you know, <laughs> yeah. my my fucking brother is so stoked to be an uncle. He's my brother. Oh. That's yeah. I'll post this picture because I we I, we Facetime today. Um, my sister and and uh, the Wilsons, me, the Wilsons, and uh, and uh, my brother. The Wilson- oh my God, they're a trio now. The, <laughs> the Wilsons, trio. yeah. Um, but I'll, uh, my my sister took this amazing picture of my brother holding the baby, and he's just like beaming with pride. Yeah, Jeffrey loves kids, and he thinks he thinks there's something fundamentally wrong with me because I don't want to be a father. Like, it- why doesn't Jeffrey adopt a child then? Well, he loves kids so I much. think there's some obvious reasons. Look at his exactly, lifestyle. Jeffrey. <laughs> Jeff, well, Jeffrey, if you love kids so much, you know, you can do something about that. But I mean, I agree. There, there are many things wrong with me, but I think not wanting to be a father is probably the best thing about me. <laughs> like, I think that's uh, a good yeah. thing. You know, I mean, mm. that's like me and my brother are both degenerates. We are degenerates. And I think it's like neither one of us should, should have kids. But Jeffrey loves kids. And uh, he's... You know, always wanted to be a dad. Um, but yeah, he's you know, Uncle Jeffrey. He's, and he is very happy about it. He is like uh, stoked. He's in seventh heaven. And so, yeah, you could tell today when we were FaceTiming, um, 
you know, he he was like holding the baby the whole time, and the baby just loved him, which I was surprised because you'd think like you know the nicotine and the, uh, <laughs> the three day old semen smell like would have bothered the kid. Didn't even bother the kid. Um, I, I did warn my sister. I was like, don't let him suck on his fingers. You have no idea where those fingers have been. You know, the baby has to learn though. <laughs> learn about pheromones at some point. Get them in now. Uh, my sister's doing really well though, and uh, she's recovering. You know, you know, one thing that's weird about this whole pregnancy thing, especially now that, you know, she went through the labor ordeal, um, it's just like enabled her to speak freely about various parts of her anatomy, you know, with uh, with me and Jeff. Like, it's fine to do that like with she, Jer and her friends. Like she didn't before, though. <laughs> yeah, but not in, like, this much graphic detail. Like, she has no qualms about going into, like... You know, graphic details about how many times she shit while she was pushing, how she has to wear these bloody vagina diapers. Like, she's Ew. going into all this detail about it. Me and Jeff are like, okay, we, we've heard enough about your vagina. We don't want to hear about your vagina. We don't want to hear about the blood, the mucus, the placenta. Like, it, we have See, no that, interest that in hearing want, about this. I want to hear about her vagina so that I can definitely in my reinforce every belief I have in my head that I will never, ever have children. Oh, I'm getting a vasectomy, vasectomy tomorrow. Nothing like, is I'm, coming I'm out of my vagina. Things can only go in. They're <laughs> not coming out. <laughs> you know, she said the labor was like three hours. Yeah, Ugh. it was like three hours. She yeah. didn't have to do a C-section. Uh, it was like a vaginal labor. But, you know, me and my brother were freaking the fuck out. And, you know, even I was freaking out. And I'm, I'm like the level-headed one. You know, I'm pretty, you know, pretty unemotional, pretty logical when it comes to these things. But it was it was weird. It was like around ten, I don't know, ten thirty maybe. Yeah, around ten thirty, ten o'clock. Jerry's like, uh, she's starting to push. The nurse is like, she's starting to push, and then we didn't hear from him for like over three hours, you know. And so, you know, after like a couple hours, it's like, you know, I was texting like, hey, just checking in. We had like a group text thing going on, like, what's going on? You know, just checking in. How's she doing? No answer. And so, I was kind of like, I was getting some anxiety. And I was surprised at how much anxiety I was getting. Because normally, I, I'd never like that anxious. Never had an anxiety attack. But I was freaking out. And so I started drinking. And it was like, you know, a work fucking night. I had to work the next morning. But I like drank, like put half a bottle away of Four Roses. And wow. I was just, yeah, I was like fucking just, because I was freaking out. I was like, you know, you get all these worst case scenarios going through your head, you know? It's like, you never know what might happen. Like when I think about this stuff, it's like I think about like, you know, she's she's in a hospital. She's in the best possible place, place. you know, for, for any kind of, like, pregnancy mishap. You know, there's doctors and nurses everywhere that could take care of her. But it's like, yeah, I don't know, my mind goes to, like, the frontier, the Wild West. Like, I'm thinking she's, like, laying on the prairie, biting, like, a leather belt, like, pushing out a baby <laughs> and bleeding out. And, you know, the same thing. My brother is not, you know, my brother's flipping the fuck out. Jeffrey's, like, texting me. I'm putting my boots on right now. I'm going down to the hospital. I'm going to demand that I see her. I'm going to demand it. To catch the baby as it flies out of her, Jeffrey. Well, There's they wouldn't have let him. Because of COVID, they're not going to let him even let in him the in. hospital. Especially at like, yeah. you know, 1.30 in the morning. You Jeffrey know, no was like, news is always good news. That's well, maybe. I, I mean. 99% of things in life. That's well, we were I flipping think. out about it. And like my brother's like. I'm going down. I'm like, you're going to get arrested, dude. You go down there, you're going to get arrested. He's like, I don't care. I'm going to demand it. I'll climb through the fucking window. And I'm like, just don't do it. But he was freaking out too. And it's like, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, it's completely irrational. 
you know, you're jumping to conclusions. I'm having worst case scenarios. I'm thinking like, you know, she's, you know, she died during childbirth and now Jer's a single father and me and my brother are going to have to move in with him and help him raise the kid. <gasps> Free and- men and a baby. Which one would you be? You wouldn't be Tom Selleck. Who's Tom Selleck? I'd be Gutenberg probably. You're Gutenberg. I think Jer will be Tom Selleck then. And that, no, Ted Danson. Jer's Ted Ooh, Jer, Danson. Jer's Ted Danson, yeah. Jeffrey yeah, would be so Selleck. Jeffrey. Jeffrey has to but be But Jeffrey's Selleck. very maternal. Was Selleck the maternal one? Yes, he's the one who turns out to be the dad. Jeffrey also has breasts, but the milk's gone bad. (laughs) The milk went bad a long time ago. That would be the worst sitcom. It's my three degenerate dads. Yeah, you're the goth dad. That'd be hilarious. I would watch that show. But Jared eventually texted us around like I don't know two thirty and said, "Shmuley's a boy. Stephanie's okay. I'll talk to you later. You know, he's he's busy." But um. You know, she when I spoke to her today, she was telling me like how much it hurt. Like, and she asked for like multiple epidurals. Like, she was like, because she wasn't trying to do this naturally. She's like, you know, hook it to my veins. I don't give a shit. I don't want to feel this thing. Good and for her. She still said it hurt. Like, she said, fucking hurt. Yeah. Like, let's I can't stop. even imagine it. I mean, my, you know, most of my body's tattooed. That's nothing. I nothing know, compared to the childbirth. I don't want to think about it. My legs are crossed. So tightly right now, you have no idea. I'm like my knees, my knees are white knuckling it. Oh God, yeah, no, Ugh. my balls have like retracted into my <laughs> into my taint. Um, but she asked the nurse at one point. She was like, "So, what, like, what would it feel like if I didn't get an epidural?" And the nurse looked at her and she said, "So about a half an hour ago, do you hear that woman screaming bloody murder for about forty five minutes?" And she was like, "Yeah, I was wondering what was happening with that." She goes, "She didn't get an epidural." And it's like, why would you not do this? <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why people do the things they do, but whatever. I don't know. You know the nurse, uh, the nurse at one point, because when they're going in there, like they put like a, somebody said they put like a blanket kind of over your legs. So you're not really seeing what's going on there. Like when she was shitting, like she said she shit like three times. She didn't see the turd. She could just feel someone wiping her asshole. Oh you my know? God. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but you know, you can't see what's going on. And so the nurse is like, do you want us to put a mirror so you can see what's going on? What's going on back there? And she was like, fuck no, no, No. I have no interest in seeing this. I don't Um, want to see my own vagina torn asunder (laughs) ever. Like, no, she said, she said she kept farting though with every push. She's just like every push. You'd just be like this loud, like you know, staccato, just fart coming out. Oh my um, god! And the nurse, the nurses were just like, "Don't worry, you know, this is perfectly normal." It's like there's nothing normal about that. Like they're sitting no. here, like waiting for this baby to come out of her vagina, and meanwhile, just like shit and farts coming out, and they're like, "It's normal." It's yeah, not normal. and it's in their face as well. I tell you what, nurses and do- they don't get paid enough. You could not pay me all the money in the world to be dealing with that off someone else. I would, nah, I'd walk out that building. Not but, for me. But, you know, after all, it's all worth it in the end. Baby Shmuley comes out. He's very healthy. Um, my sister's like, isn't he adorable? I'm like, he looks like a baby. <laughs> you know, I, I, just, I don't know the answer to that question. You know, it's like, yeah, he's a baby. He's adorable. 
you know, they I mean, all kind sure. of look the same. I only, yeah, I like kids, but babies are boring. Like, what do they do? They shit and they breastfeed, and that's about it, really. That's it's about crying, it, yeah. Crying. I like, maybe? you know, when kids get a bit older and they can make a sandwich and you can have like crazy chats with them because they all have mad opinions, then kids are cool. But babies, fuck off. You know, uh, the baby, when she was showing me, I was just like, does he have hair? She's like, well, he's kind of got a cone head right now. But, you know, that's going to, like, work itself out. Because I guess uh, she's like, it's all because of my vag canal. The shape of my vag canal. And I'm just like, once again, don't want to hear about your vag. You got to stop talking about your vagina. Your sister has a cone-shaped vagina. That's (laughs) things you never wish you knew about her, but now you do. Yeah, both me and my brother was like, all right, enough about your bloody vagina. We don't want to hear about this. Um, But I'm planning to head up there in a couple weeks to meet him. I'm really stoked to be Uncle D. You know, I'm also happy that I can leave and not have to deal with a crying baby at all hours of the night, you know? Yes, of Although course. I guarantee my sister's going to try to be like, you got to change him. It's like, I'm not fucking changing your baby. She's going to bully you into it, D. She will. Baby, I don't know. I'm Jer, she was telling me Jer was changing the baby and the baby just like shot piss out like all over his shirt. <laughs> Yeah. It begins. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and like my brother's all laughing. And then, then it became, then it came like this, this hot button topic, like a big debate. Jeffrey, very pro circumcision. He yeah. has obviously seen out of all, all these people in the room right now, Jeffrey has definitely seen the most cocks. I would say probably, um, probably out of most of our listeners too. So like the listening I mean, audience, like everybody. <laughs> Jeffrey has seen the most cocks, but I mean, Foskin's, Speaking as a Britty, yeah, where most of the men have the foreskins, they're not offensive. They... I mean, personally, you know, my personal preference is, yeah, he shouldn't have the, you know, heathen dog penis, but I really don't give a shit. <laughs> I honestly don't care yeah. about my sister's kid's dick. But my brother, <laughs> yeah, my brother's just like convincing her not to do it, giving her all these reasons. It's not clean. You know, think of how disappointed dad would be. He's like, he's probably so up what, there in that, heaven. Would that be the most important thing to the rabbi, the baby not having a foreskin? You <laughs> Isn't know, that what the rabbi would care most about? I think the rabbi actually would be upset about it because I think the rabbi would be oh. like, I'm very disappointed. It's a covenant with God. And I, I could see the rabbi being kind of disappointed about it. But I mean, baby Shmuley's going to inherit the shit hanger. So he's like, you know, he's still got the, the Jew covenant. Yeah, halfway there, you know. Six yeah. of one, half dozen of the other. Same thing. <laughs> Same diff. But yeah, I don't care about my sister's kid's dick. Jer is, Jer is like really anti-circumcision. So, well, it's Jer's child at the end of the day. Do you know what? You're born with a foreskin for a reason. Yeah, unnecessary surgery. So we, we're born like I was born with a foreskin. <laughs> I ate you know, mine after birth. That's what I did. The only thing I really care about is that this kid turns out to be cool and not an asshole. And I'm going to do my best to make sure this kid is not an asshole because we don't need any more assholes in this world, you know? Very true. I plan plan to buy him a record every year of his birth. So when he's old enough to be interested in music, he'll have a kick-ass record collection. That's cool. I'm I'm going to start with uh, Stooges Funhouse. It's the first no, record you should start with the, the Ramones. Babies love the Ramones. Start well, he's not going to listen to it for, for like 14 years. I'm just going to – I'll buy him a Ramones record. You know, but he's just going to, by the time he gets to the age where he was going to put a record on, he'll have like, I don't know what, probably 12 records. And hopefully he'll be into music. If not, he'll be like, 
Uncle Dave bought me another stupid record. No, he's going to be into music. He will be. (laughs) And I've also ordered my whole library of books. Thomas Pynchon, Bukowski, Henry Miller, Philip K. Dick, a couple Dr. Seuss books thrown in there. You know, James Elroy, good measure. But you know, um, I think the only thing, it's obviously, I'm, you know, I'm just going to be an influence. Uncle D here coming up every few, you know, few weeks with a bag of gifts, you know, for the kid. Um, But you know, the the main thing I'm going to try to do, and I'm I'm going to pledge to do this, is I'm going to make sure this kid doesn't play role playing games. I can 100% agree with you on this. I don't mind video games. Video games, totally cool. Just no yep. Magic the Gathering, no Dungeons nope. and Dragons, no fucking nope. LARPing. That's not going to happen. Not on my no. watch. No, not to this kid. This kid's going to you know? be cool. And I don't care if he's a nerd. Nerds can be totally cool. It's just the, the RPG thing. RPGs are the devil's tools. And they lead to only one thing, Kate. Murder. What do they lead to? Murder. Murder. That's what Murder. happens. Murder. Yeah. And so I'm going to make sure that this kid isn't, isn't going to, you know, be influenced by these RPGs, you know, and uh, committed nerd rage murder. That's what we're going to talk about here. Um, Dungeons and Dragons is evil. It is. <laughs> I wouldn't say it's the most evil RPG, though. You know, I think the oh. jury's out on that one. Um, might be the nerdiest, maybe. But once again, it's not a bad thing. Um Dungeons and Dragons, D and D. It's very hip now. I don't. I don't actually, I don't know if it's still as hip as it was the past couple of years. But D and D became very hip in LA. Like all these like porn stars and and nerd hot nerd chicks would be like, "We're playing Dungeons and Dragons," and they used to have these vidcasts. You seen that? Or they go on Twitch and they play their like little Dungeons and Dragons. And Brian Posehn no. and and Patton Oswalt do this nerd poker. That's what they call it. No, I am out of that world, frankly. Good. And I like to pretend it, it does not exist. It's, you know, it's good just to ignore it. Ignore That's exactly, it completely, yeah. you know? But uh, D&D is a fantasy tabletop role-playing game, RPG, uh, created by uh, Gary Gygax, which is an awesome name, and uh, Dave Arneson in uh, 1974. It was first published in 1974 by Tactical Studies Rules, TSR. You know, my brother was super into Dungeons and Dragons. And, I think uh, you've mentioned that before, that he was well into it. You, you know, I have his old set from the 80s that he, that he had. And uh, even back then, he would, you know, he'd try to get me to play, and I just was never into it. I'd name my kid, my, my dude's like named like Boner and stuff, and just be like <laughs> Boner, you know, the paladin. Yeah, yeah. I, just, I was just bored. I just never got into it. Now, I'm not trying to say, like, I'm too cool for Dungeons & Dragons. I was just like, there's other things to do. I'd rather play Atari, you know? I've never played d and I've played Magic the Gathering, and I think that was bad enough. That was a very torturous uh, three-hour-long night. I've I'll only never... done that to get laid. That's it. I wasn't even doing it for that joy. I was like, maybe I'll enjoy this. And within <laughs> 10 minutes, I quickly learned... That I did not enjoy it. Yeah, in the 80s, Jeff had like a whole crew. Like, uh, like he was, was like he... the dungeon master. Yeah, I was about to say, was he uh, the dungeon master? The oh my God, so Uncle Jeffrey, the dungeon master. He didn't play for that long, though. It was just everyone in the 80s, everyone in the 80s, like our age, 
had to get into Dungeons and Dragons, you know, somewhat. It was a phase you had to work uh, yourself through, but yeah, some people didn't leave that phase. So initially, it was put out by TSR, but then it was published by Wizards of the Coast, which now uh, bought by uh, Hasbro since like 1997. Um, but you know what? They they considered D and D to be the beginning of modern role-playing games and the, and the RPG industry, the root of all evil. It's all started with D&D. <laughs> um, so when it came out, you know, it was just pretty much, I think, confined to like nerds pretty, you know, it, was, it, wasn't, it wasn't super popular until like it started gaining popularity, I guess, maybe like the late 70s, early 80s. And then as it was growing, things started happening. It was like around the same time, like, you know, the origin of Satanic Panic, early 80s. Yeah, um, it was tied into that, wasn't it? Well, there were there were events, you know, like there were disappearances or suicides or murders and parents, you know, concerned parents who were, you know, already had satanic anxiety, they were panicking, were trying to like associate this murder, or this death or the suicide with anything they could and they lashed onto Dungeons and Dragons as just being evil which I can understand fully. Um, mm-hmm. So in 1979, a kid, a 16-year-old kid named James Egbert, he attempted suicide in the utility tunnels, steam tunnels beneath the campus of uh, Michigan State University. And then he went missing for a month. So he attempted suicide, went missing for a month. His parents hired a private investigator named William Deere to seek out their son. And Deere found out that he he was like an avid Dungeons and Dragons fan and he played in groups he heard rumors that students went into the steam tunnels below the university to play a live action version of the game LARPing live action no. role play so they're sitting there playing wizards and fucking knights and things like that in the steam tunnels so Deer at the time I mean this would have been like 1979 you know Dungeons and Dragons wasn't a huge commercial success. It was still pretty much underground, you know, played by nerds. Um, he, so the, the, the PI knew little of the game at the time. And he speculated in a press conference that Egbert had gotten lost in the steam tunnels during one of these live action Dungeons and Dragons role-playing sessions. Well, the press just went nuts. They reported this whole thing as fact. They said that, uh, you know, they called it the steam tunnel incidents. They said, you know, his, uh, you know, everything was connected to D&D. It was all Dungeons and Dragons. This is an evil game. This is a negative influence on your kids. Parents were scared shitless. And, uh, you know, they found out later that Egbert's suicide attempts and his eventual suicide, he did actually commit suicide. Yeah, I was going to say, it kind of sounds like he does deserve to die. Well, I yeah. mean, he, I'm he on that side. Dungeons I'm vicious this morning. <laughs> um, mm. But yeah, he died uh, by a self-inflicted gunshot a year later. But they determined, police determined, there's no connection to Dungeons and Dragons. He was like, you know, uh, suffering from clinical depression. was under a lot of stress from college. And that's why he offed himself. It's not, it's not because he thought he was a wizard or something. But uh, during this time, though, like, so in 1981... An author named uh, Rona Jaffe published a book called Mazes and Monsters, which is a fiction novel, but has a very similar plot to the Egbert case. Like a teen who, um, there, there it is. This is Mazes and Monsters. And look who's in it. A young Tom Hanks. Made for TV very, movie. Um, yeah. Look so, at Tom Hanks' is due for 
Well, he does kind of have a poofy, poofy fro. This one guy, the guy that's like second from the left, looks familiar. I don't know who that is, but he looks like... He's got a bit of Kari Haim about him, hasn't he? Something. And the the girl that's next to Tom Hanks kind of looks like uh, Valerie Bertolini that was married to Eddie Van Halen. I don't know if it is, though. Mm, Uh, But anyway, the book came out in 1981, and then it was adapted into a made-for-TV movie called Mazes and Monsters starring Tom Hanks. What's... What's funny about this is I brought this up on the yeah here it is there's Tom Hanks it's got a little devilish grin going on there, um when a fantasy game turns deadly that's what happens telling you a murder, um I brought this up on the show a few times Harrison never heard of the uh, of this movie at all which I was surprised about because he seems to be he's even in yeah. a Dungeons and Dragons club or something. Feels like it would be up his street but I'd never heard about it until you were telling me and I love Tom Hanks. So I'm surprised I've not seen it. Yeah, I mean, I you know, I honestly can't remember if it holds up. I loved the movie as a kid. Tom Hanks, like, was convinced that he was a wizard named Pardue. And so he, he and his group would get together and play Dungeons & Dragons. Everybody else, it was just kind of a fun hobby. Not Tom Hanks. It was a lifestyle. He, he really thought he was like this wizard named Pardue. And he, I'm kind of giving it away, but he embarks on a quest um, to, to, to go see the two towers. That's what like the grandmaster wizard told him to do. He had to go to the two towers, but they were actually the twin towers from the world oh, trade wow. center. Featuring. Yeah. You Never can't make forget. the movie now. Um, <laughs> but he believed that by jumping off one of the twin tower, the two towers oh, no. and casting a spell, he'll finally join the great hall of wizards. And so he he takes off and he goes to New York, ends up like stabbing like a mugger because he thinks he's an orc, and uh, they kill some like homeless guy. Um, but then uh, his friends like find him in, in New York, and, he, and uh, yeah, he was on top of like the uh, the observation deck of the Twin Towers, and he was gonna like jump off, and they stop him, and uh, you know that's kind of like the uh, the climactic moment of the movie, and then it ends with him being in this like mental. A state, like <laughs> his mental hospital. I need to take some, smoke some weed and watch this film. Oh, it's so funny. And he's like, they go and visit him and he's on the grounds of this mental hospital. And uh, yeah, he's convinced he's Pardue. It's like he's a wizard and his friends are their characters and he's living at an inn, but uh, paying with great. his boarding with a magic coin that just magically reappears. Yeah. I'm watching this tonight. Oh, it's great. But you know what though? I don't want that to happen to Shmuley. No one wants that for Shmuley. No, I don't want that to be. I don't want that to happen to Shmuley. And uh, nor did this woman. This woman named Patricia Pulling. Uh, she was an anti-occult campaigner from Richmond, Virginia, and the founder of BAD. You ever heard of BAD, hey. Kate? I have heard of Andy Warhol's BAD, but I've not it's, heard of this one. It's an acronym, B-A-D-D, bothered about Dungeons and Dragons. <gasps> It'd be way cooler <laughs> if it was bitches about... Dungeons and Dragons. Bitches about that. You know, actually, they should start that up. I bet you'd be popular. Like maybe a big cast or something. An anti-Dungeons and Dragon podcast. Would you call it bitching about Dungeons and Dragons? Because that's what I'm doing right now. Yeah, well, technically we're bad right this second. Um, It was a one-person advocacy group. It was uh, just Patricia (laughs) pulling. And uh, she was dedicated to the elimination of Dungeons and Dragons. You know, I kind of like the cut of her jib. I'm kind of, you know, I think I could hang out with this lady. 
I would have um, joined BART. I would have been in BART. Lots of people have called me BART. Then it would have been a two-person advocacy so, group. <laughs> yeah, it could have been me and her hanging out. Apparently, her son had played Dungeons & Dragons, and uh, he killed himself. And so she filed a wrongful death lawsuit against her son's high school principal, as well as TSR, the publisher, publisher of Dungeons & Dragons, because she felt that the game placed a curse upon the boy shortly before his death. Wow. Yeah. Uh, the case was dropped in 1984, and all of her claims were disproven by reporters. So, um, and all of her lawsuits were dismissed. So afterwards, she was she was pretty uh, upset. So she found it bad and began publishing information to promote her belief that Dungeons and Dragons encourages Satanism, rape, suicide, and a litany of immoral and legal practices. That's making Dungeons and Dragons sound cool, which it isn't. <laughs> you know, Bad uh, ended up kind of, I guess, sort of fizzling out after she died of cancer in 1997. But I'm thinking of starting it back up again. I, I think we should. I think we have the platform. We have the time, D. Simon. I might call it butthurt about Dungeons and Dragons, though. But maybe, maybe I kind of like bitching, <laughs> bitching about Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> But these groups, like BAD, and there's another one called uh, the National Coalition on Television Violence. You know, this is all like uh, mid-'80s. PMRC, you know, it was around that time, too, with Tipper Gore. Um, they gave D&D and role-playing games a pretty bad reputation, a lot of negative publicity out there. People began, parents especially, began thinking it's a satanic product. And, uh, you know, they, they were blaming Dungeons & Dragons for influencing their children to commit suicide. Um, Patricia reported in one of her bad reports uh, <laughs> that uh, there were 29 deaths attributed to D&D. Um, I wish. Yeah. However, in the article I was reading from, I think it was from the Washington Post, they said they found only three publicized Dungeons & Dragons related murders. And, and like only one suicide and one runaway case for which D&D was blamed. Um, the first one here, I'm just going to kind of blow through these. Uh, David K. Venti Quattro uh, killed his friend Martin E. Howland with a shotgun, November 22nd, 1985. Um, they were both Dungeons & Dragons players. And the New York State Police claimed that uh, Venti Quattro said that he killed Martin as part of a Dungeons & Dragons fantasy. Uh, the officers testified that Venny Quattro told them he was playing the role of a D&D character when he fired his 20-gauge shotgun inches from his friend Martin's head. The younger boy had become evil in his fantasy, and his role was to extinguish evil. Uh, the prosecution called two other youths to testify that Venny Quattro had pointed a gun at them on many occasions after they played Dungeons & Dragons. Uh, they said, he's in another world. He, he's in a fantasy world, and he wants to kill all of his friends in this fantasy world. It's <laughs> just not in real life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, Bad and these other groups are just like, it's Dungeons and Dragons that made this kid, you know, an insane person. Oh, yeah. He wasn't insane before he started playing <laughs> Dungeons and Dragons and had a gun. No, it was Dungeons and Dragons. Well, during the trial, psychologists had him take tests on the boy and they determined that he had the maturity of a 13-year-old. Um, and he just wasn't aware of the consequences of his actions. Um, they also said that uh, he tested for like other mental health issues, such as depression, um, 
you know, borderline personality disorder. Another of the D and D murders was reported in May nineteen eighty seven. In the New York Times, Daniel Caston, 19 years old, he shot his parents, Edith and Joseph, as they were sleeping um, at, at their home in Lake Ronconcoma. Mr. Caston, it's in New York. I said um, Lake Ronconcona. That sounds like a fun party town. Ronconcoma. Ronconcoma. Um, Mr. Caston claimed he was under the control of a mind flare, which is a monster from advanced Dungeons and Dragons. Oh. which supposedly projects mind-controlling beams. So this mind flayer projected a beam, convinced him to, to uh, murder his parents. Uh, Daniel Caston testified at his own trial. Um, his lawyer said the case was not about Dungeons & Dragons, but that Mr. Caston you know, was under the control of the mind flayer monster. Like That was the defense. Uh, this case is about psychoses, delusions, and schizophrenia. D&D is a game Mr. Kasten decided to make his own reality. Uh, Kasten originally claimed that he killed his parents because his college grades had dropped and he feared they would stop reporting him. That's the real reason there. Of um, course. But then, uh, you know, he's going for the insanity plea after he murders them to try to get a lighter sentence. <laughs> Which Taylor's makes sense. time. Yeah. Taylor's oldest time. Oh, yeah. And then uh, finally here, there's Roland Carter, a 13-year-old boy who committed suicide by hanging himself from a tree in 1985, another avid player of Dungeons & Dragons, which caused the whole town to suspect the game influenced the boy to kill himself, even though all of his friends who were interviewed by police said, oh, no, he's high on drugs. He does a lot of drugs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, one of his friends said, you know, I'm sick of them saying that Roland killed himself because of Dungeons and Dragons. It was drugs. It was totally drugs. And the uh, police trooper who had um, interviewed all his friends said, D&D no way killed this kid. This youth had become involved with drugs, had several confrontations with his mother. So I think that's what led to suicide. There was also kind of a, uh, a spate of suicides in the in the late 80s i think the same thing with like uh you know judas priest was on trial because people said that you know yeah. in suicide solution ozzy osbourne he convinced yeah. all these kids to kill and themselves twisted sister as well. oh, yeah twisted sister yeah you know uh trooper roy who was investigating the uh the, the carter case he said that after the incident he went to play a game of dungeons and dragons and became convinced that the game was not a threat. He even said of his own three young kids, if they wanted to play d and I'd sit down and play with them. Well, there's a stepping stone to evil. Officer Roy. What kind of police officer is that? <laughs> he, would, he wouldn't make it in bad. The last Dungeons & Dragons murder that I could find here was uh, Chris Pritchard. Uh, he's an American man convicted of masterminding an attempted murder of his mother, Bonnie von Stein, and his stepfather, Leith von Stein. This happened in 1988 in Washington, North Carolina. So police received an emergency call on July 25th, 1988, and uh, they found Leith and Bonnie stabbed and beaten in their home. Leith was dead. Uh, Bonnie was barely clinging to life, and she somehow survived. Uh, investigators were distrustful of this crime scene that they found, which appeared to have been staged as though to suggest it was a robbery. But it just, you know, it just seemed so fake. It seemed too perfect. 
You know? It's another tale as old as time. Oh, yeah. And after they started doing some investigations, wasn't that difficult to find that uh, Leith had a poor relationship as the stepdad with his two stepchildren, Angela and uh, the older brother, Chris, both of whom were known to be drug users. Uh, police also found that Leith had inherited over a million dollars shortly before he was killed. So the okay. two stepkids were like, oh, stepdad just got a million dollars. That might make some, you know, might make some sense there. It might be a possible motive. Um, Chris was a devotee of Dungeons and Dragons. He was like, he led several groups at North Carolina State University. He was a dungeon master. And uh, he voiced his bitterness towards his stepfather many times during these games. I wonder if his stepfather, like he had his named like monsters after his stepfather or something. Oh, but I bet he did. Yeah, he was really bitter because his father wouldn't spend any of the inheritance on him. So when pressured, um, some of Chris's friends revealed that two of the other D&D players on campus, James Upchurch and Neil Henderson, might have been involved with Chris on a plot here to murder the stepdad, Leith. And so uh, what ended up happening is probably typically happens with... Uh, young adults, teens, when they're arrested for a crime, uh, they flipped on each other. So they turned on, um, two of them turned on uh, Neil Henderson, and uh, they just folded. It uh, turns out Neil accompanied Upchurch to the Von Steen home, and they pers- they uh, persuaded Chris to, to plead, gu- oh, okay, that's what happened. The police, after uh, uh, after prosecuting Chris and, like, um, um, and uh, asking him about like what happened and trying to figure out your know, question about the murder, he pled guilty to aiding and abetting the murder, and he folded on his friends. And he said what happened. Like His friend Upchurch and uh, Henderson both took a map that he provided to them and a key to the home, and they're the ones who killed his parents. Oh, I see. And they're all going to split the money. I so see. So Chris masterminded the plot. The other two actually com- um, committed the murder. So Upchurch... And Henderson were convicted of murder and sentenced to death, still on death row, whereas uh, Chris was just um, uh, charged with conspiracy to commit murder. So, oh. Yeah, he's out. Oh, my word. Yeah, they had a, uh, a movie about that, too, called Honor Thy Mother, which came out, made-for-TV movie. I want to, oh my God, there is murder. nothing I love more than a made for TV movie about murder. I'm going to watch, <laughs> I'm getting stoned tonight, and I'm going to have a good time. So... Kate, I think it's undeniable that uh, D&D leads to murder. I mean, here you undeniable. go. Undeniable. Leads to murder, leads to suicide. It's Mental a illness. Pandora's box of evil, that game. But is it the most evil RPG? Well, I don't know. I don't know. I, is I, it? You know, I, I wouldn't say so. I would say that honorary distinction goes to an RPG that I had never heard about until I read about these murders. Vampire Masquerade. That already you sounds that like one? just it just already sounds like the lamest thing you could ever do with your time. Just <laughs> I, know, I guess say it, alone. It sounds weird. Dungeons and Dragons actually sounds kind of cool until you actually find out what it's all about. Then you're like, God, this is lame. Of course, yes. It's a game for virgins, but Vampire Masquerade. <laughs> Ugh. It sounds like somebody has read one Anne Rice book and they've been to New Orleans once. And they're like, and they I'm going to invent a game. With the vampire. Yeah, it's like, I, yes. I think I have a picture here of uh, vampire. These are the type of guys and girls that play Vampire Masquerade. They're, they like, they like to LARP. 
Yeah, they're exactly what you'd picture them to look like. Oh, love Anne Rice. Oh, I think she's the greatest author ever. Look at the Phantom of the Opera there in the back. See that guy? <laughs> oh, I just saw it. <laughs> and the one that's crouching down bottom right, is that a rotundo? Um, has she got a Polaroid camera? Yeah, she has got a Polaroid camera. I don't know. Yeah. And they I all don't think know they, they all think they're vampires. This cast of characters. Although I do appreciate the leopard print girl. <laughs> yeah, she she seems like the coolest vampire of the lot. Indeed, there is not a looker amongst them. Oh no, it's it's a no. minging it's a minging society. A minging, here. <laughs> a minging <laughs> society of uh, larp larping vampires. <laughs> but they're exactly what you'd picture people who play Vampire the Masquerade to look like. Um, Vampire Masquerade is a tabletop RPG released in 1991. It's set in a fictionalized gothic punk version of the modern world where players assume the roles of vampires who are referred to as the kindred. And they deal with their night-to-night struggles against their own bestial natures, vampire hunters, and each other. The struggle's real, terrible. The struggle is real. Why do people want to stay virgins? Like, why do you want to play this game and be a virgin? I, I guess people. what it is is it, it's house. like misery loves company kind of mentality, you know? Virginity loves company. <laughs> but even I was a teenage goth, and I would never take it this far. No, I, I think there's like, yeah. I mean, you listen to Bauhaus, you know, go watch the movie The Crow. That's fine. But once that you're like acceptable. dressing up as a vampire and going playing vampires with your friends you know, in a park, it's like, there's, there's a problem. I want to make sure that never happens to Shmuley. That will never happen to Shmuley. Not on my watch. Telling you. Yeah. Good. (laughs) I'm with you on this crusade. So there's a couple high profile murders associated uh, with this evil, evil game. Vampire Masquerade. You might be aware of the first one, Rod Farrell. He was the founder of the vampire clan. Yeah. The Vampire Clan. And he actually, Rod Farrell, is the youngest person on death row. Yes, yeah, Youngest person on death row. There he is. Doesn't this look like a guy who's into vampire LARPing? It looks exactly like the type of guy you would expect to be I, into. I love him in the bat LARPing. pose, like hanging upside down. Like, where the fuck I, is he? <laughs> like, how is he hanging upside down? You know, that's also back in the day before you could take pictures. <laughs> uh, so, some, you know, somebody's had to stand there with like a disposable point and click and be like, yeah, go on, get into your pose there, Rob. Do so it. this was like the late 90s, though. This wasn't, you know, this was like a good 10 years after a lot of those D&D murders. Yeah. So Rod good. Farrell bashed the parents of his friend and fellow vampire to death. He did. Yeah, 16-year-old Rod Farrell. He believed he was a 500-year-old vampire, and he regularly indulged in ritualized cutting and drinking blood. And in 1996, he brutally murdered Richard Wendorf and Naomi Ruth Queen, the parents of Klan member Heather Wendorf, who was only 15 at the time. It was his girlfriend. Um, a Roderick Justin Farrell... Roddy Farrell here. Uh, his parents were just teenagers themselves when uh, he was born in uh, Kentucky in March 1980. He barely knew his father. Um, the father just kind of took off during the military and was gone. So he was mostly raised by his mother, Sandra Gibson. And uh, they lived on and off with her parents over the years. Um, I think there's another great picture of uh, Roddy 
Yeah, there he is. Kind of looks like Mickey Avalon in this picture. In an orange jumpsuit, sticking his tongue <laughs> <Yeah>. out. <laughs> it's yeah, a great picture. It's a great um, arrest photo. Yeah. <laughs> so he was raised on and off, you know, by he was raised by his mother, but they lived on and off with her parents. And he claims that his grandfather, his mother's father, um, raped him when he was five. And yes. uh, Kate, you have a book here. What's your book called? It's uh, written um, by James Elroy. No, no. Oh. Although that's usually the type of book I have. It's um, True Vampires, and it's blood-sucking killers of the past and present, and it's written by um, the dafty Sandra London. Um, she's wonderful, but she's daft. She is daft. So, so this is Rob, and he's describing his absorption in a role-playing games as a continuation of a lifetime of exposure to macabre cult activity, and he was characterizing his own family history. So this is straight from the man himself. I've fucking seen murders like all my life, ever since I was five. Because my grandfather, for one, he's, he's obviously didn't have this accent. He's never been caught either. He's part of an organization called the Black Mask. Whenever I was five, they chose me as the guardian of the Black Mask, and the guardian has to become one with everybody. In other words, they raped me. And then they have to sacrifice a human to the guardian. So they sacrifice someone right in front of me. I've been hanging around gangs and cults and all that shit all my life. So I've seen like <laughs> sacrifices and drug buys. Otherwise, I don't care. I'm used to seeing people's brains fly out the back of their head. So it's really nothing to me. Killing is a way of life. Animals do it. And that's the way humans are. Just the worst predators of all, actually. Some That's, wisdom uh, you know, from Rod Farrell. Yeah, that gives you a little understanding of uh, the type of person that... <laughs> the thought <laughs> process of Rod Farrell yes, there. You know, him. no charges were ever brought against his grandfather. No proof that the black mask was even a thing. The black mask sounds way cooler than Vampire Masquerade. And his vampire clan? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, when not living with uh, Grandpa Gibson, the rapist... Uh, the mother and son stayed in public housing, and Sandra, his mother, supported them working as an exotic dancer and occasionally a sex worker. This healthy does not surprise family me. environment. Very healthy. There's actually a really good documentary on YouTube where she's in it, and she's talking about like growing up with Rod, and like she's like, we had such a blast together. We always had so much fun. We would watch The Crow, and we would he would borrow my clothes and put on makeup. It's like, woman, a lot. you're. Your child, your child has killed someone and you're talking about the crow. <laughs> well, she, uh, the mother, Sandra Gibson, admitted to dabbling in vampirism. And as a teenager, you know, Rod followed suit. I mean, he was like, yeah, you know, my, I think this is pretty cool. Like, I'm going to get into like being so. a vampire. And he was a big fan of RPGs, of course, fantasy role-playing games, such as Dungeons and & Dragons and Vampire the Masquerade. Oh, here it is. <laughs> yeah. And so uh, he found another group of disaffected teenagers that all lived the vampire lifestyle. I think I, do we have, I, think I have a picture here of the vampire crew. Uh, they drank each other's blood. They wore all black. They listened to gothic and industrial music. You know, oh, there, there's a picture of Rod now. Kind of looks like Pee Wee Herman. Not it's now, but that was in prison, yeah. Yes, he does have a bit of the Pee Wee Herman. And uh, blonde. Blonde is not a good color choice for you, Rod. No, definitely not. No. Looks like Pee Wee after he got busted masturbating in that adult theater. <laughs> but here's the crew. There's the crew, the vampire crew. 
all just kids. They're just, all 15 and 16, I think. Yeah, drinking each other's blood. I, I can get down with the wearing all black thing, but the drinking each other's blood, it's just not sanitary. It's not sanitary, and it is, uh, it's, you're going to catch some diseases, guys. I'm into the industrial music. I wasn't really into that at their age. Oh, I've, well, of course you were. You had dreads. Yeah. But there yeah. you go. RPGs, industrial music, stepping stones to murder. <laughs> you know? Um, an older boy here, Stephen Jaden Murphy, uh, said that he sired Rod Farrell and helped him to cross over as a vampire in a ritual which involved the drinking of blood. Sired? He sired. He's also in this great documentary on YouTube. And let me tell you, he is a character. Well, what does he mean, sired? As in he birthed. Well, you know, would you yeah, yeah, sire no, a but vampire? I mean, what, but what did he do to sire he, him? He gave it. They drank each other's blood. And maybe they had a little game of him um, hide the salami. Are they docking or something? They <laughs> docked. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Sandra Gibson, the mother here, sent lurid letters to um, the sire's 14-year-old brother saying she would be his, quote, bride for eternity as part of a vampire family. So she was a pedo vampire, the worst kind. The worst kind? (laughs) Yeah, the worst kind. (laughs) So Rod here, Rod Farrell, Thought he was like he seriously thought he was a 500 year old vampire named Vasago, and he be- he began recruiting followers. He called them he called it the family, which he he dubbed the Vampire Clan. You know, it's my personal belief, and I know it's some people might not agree with me, but as soon as I you know a friend that I'm hanging out with, there's someone who I like you know like to kick it with, go have drinks with at the bar. As soon as they assume a vampire name, we're done. I agree. Would agree. Not honest. hanging as out. As soon with as they you. started referring to themselves in a Latin name that died out over seventeen centuries ago, I'm done with this relationship. Yeah, we're we're not. I'm not going to be friends with you anymore. You're not a fucking five hundred year old vampire, you rotundo. Can you, know? you remember that show? It was called Mad World. Do you remember this? It was on like um, sci-fi, and it was a game show, and they had different uh, alts. With Paul Reiser. Remember- Don the Vampire. Do you remember Don the Vampire no, who claimed to be a one? living vampire? This is a, yeah, this is modern times. We're only talking like 15 what years ago. What am I ago. thinking of Paul, with Paul Reiser? I don't know, but it's not Mad World. He's a vampire, a pedo vampire. Well, um, yes. So wait, Don wait, the Vampire wait. is not a pedo. <laughs> <laughs> He's just wait. a dafty. <laughs> he was a, and so he was on the show and they interviewed him about being a vampire? Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, he was like one of the guys you had to impress and you would have to do challenges. And you t- one of his challenges was you had to like bathe in blood and stuff like that. And there was a funny show segment. sounds amazing. I will send you it for anyone who's not seen is it. Is it a British funny. show? No, it was American. But Don the Vampire is, uh, he's been a vampire. Oh, he's been a popular culture vampire for over 20 years. What? We should get this guy on the show. We should find Don. The, I would love to speak to Don. Does, the it, does he have fangs? Uh, yeah, he does. He's a, imagine what a vampire looks like, and that's Don the vampire. Yeah, but what he kind was, of vampire is he? Like a Nosferatu-looking vampire? Or is he? No, like no, a, he's not like an ugly, like an Antonio Banderas vampire. Yeah, he's a sexy vampire. He's definitely going down that velvet and lace route. Okay, all right, all right. 
Yeah. Not I like these guys. The these guys. Vampires. As I say, these guys aren't going down a a sexy velvet and lace. They're trying to be goth vampires. They're they're goth vampires, which um, it's not a good look for them. So the vampire clan consisted of Rod, you know, granddaddy vampire, Howard Scott Anderson, Charity Kesey, and Dana Cooper, all from trouble families of their own. And, uh, you know, they they got together. They uh, enjoyed Rod's company, even though... Rod was becoming a bit of a psycho at this point, definitely unhinged. In October 1996, allegedly he broke into a county animal shelter and gruesomely killed two puppies. Puppies? Yeah, two puppies. Who would Why kill would a puppy? Yeah. Who would kill a puppy? Oh yeah. my God. I would be out of that clan. I'd be like, I'm not being part of a puppy killing clan. This not only does he call me. himself Visago, he's a puppy killer. Yeah, no, I'm not having the puppies him. being killed. No, not so my So his watch. mother here, Sandra, took the whole clan, his whole crew, away from him, and they moved to Eustis, Florida, because she got a new boyfriend, moved in with a boyfriend. That's and, how it uh, happens. Yeah, but that's where he met Heather, Heather Winford. It was in Florida, and the two became inseparable. She must have been like, well, is he, well, he's probably, what, like 16? She was like, probably 13 or 14 yeah i think she was 14 and he was 16 and just as as he's beginning to adjust to life in florida the mother broke up with the boyfriend moved back to kentucky and so here farrell's life is upended again he continued to keep in touch with young heather though the pair would be on the phone all up to all hours of the night you know and she confided in farrell about the abuse she was suffering by the hands of her parents uh, she mentioned how their home was hell, and she wished that her parents were murdered. Oh, and it was no. believed that Farrell was driven by a knight in shining armor complex to protect the teen. He's a white knight. Oh, in no. Yes. He's a vampire. He can do this. And so in November 1996, Farrell, Anderson, Kesey, and Cooper got into Anderson's car, drove all the way from western Kentucky to use this Florida to pick up Heather so they could formally induct her into the vampire clan. Um, To complete the induction into the clan, uh, they had to all drink each other's blood. So it's pretty much a blood ritual. She describes it in the documentary as well. Just like, how were they, were they like sucking it out of their arms or was it like out of a chalice or something? They did three tiny little cuts on like your forearm and they would all like, piss it into a glass and then it would all get passed around but when she's talking about it she goes it was pretty gross <laughs> <laughs> yeah they're sucking blood out of each other's arms it's gross it is gross so it was at this point that rod farrell 16 years old hatched a plan to break into heather's home so they could steal her parents 1993 ford explorer but somewhere along the way the plan was slightly modified to also include the murder of both of her parents. So initially it was just like, I'm going to steal the car, but now it's like, no, we got to kill them both. So Farrell and the crew ended up going over to her house and the crew hanged out in the car. Like they didn't even go in there. So they just kind of hung out in the car. Uh, But Farrell, you know, entered the house, picked up a crowbar from the utility room and he found Richard, the father asleep on the couch. Before the father could wake up, he beat him multiple times with a crowbar, fracturing his skull and ribs and almost instantly killing him. 
to show um, more of Rod's big brains, he says that... <laughs> so he has this crowbar. We all know that crowbars are blunt objects. Um, he was trying to impale her fa- his fa- victim, her father's heart. And he said he, he was trying to stab at his heart before he realized he was like, oh, this is blunt. There's no I point on explain. it. <laughs> There's no point. I can't impale a heart. But he tried. He tried. He also talks about that they did because they discovered the parents and they were sleeping and they did an impish dance around the sleeping bodies because they knew that they were going to die. And he was just delighted by it. What a character this Rod is. <laughs> <laughs> Naomi, the, the mother, also bludgeoned to death with the same uh, crowbar here. <laughs> And he took that crowbar with him, got back in the car. It was like, here's my crowbar, my trusty crowbar. <laughs> a first responder at the scene described it as a bloodbath and a Jackson Pollock painting with just the color red. That's good. Nice. It's descriptive. That sounds like, um, like how Taxi Driver, the end of Taxi Driver, doesn't it? <laughs> so the vampire uh, clan here fled in the 1993 Ford Explorer. They drove through four states in four days before they ran out of money in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. At which point, Charity contacted her grandmother and asked for money. Well, Grandma ended up calling the police and notifying them of their whereabouts. And she tricked the teens into driving to a local Howard Johnson's hotel, a hojo, that's what we call it here in this country, uh, where the detectives had laid a trap. All four were arrested without incident and uh, booked into jail uh, before being moved to a juvenile facility in Ocala, Florida. So Farrell ended up pleading guilty to uh, charge of first-degree murder, but he claimed the others that were traveling with him were innocent. Um, Anderson was an accessory. He only watched. He didn't actually touch the Wenders. And uh, Farrell was sentenced to death, making him the youngest inmate on death row. At the time. Yeah. Uh, It would be a record he held until 2000 when his sentence was commuted to life in prison without possibility of parole. And there he sits. There you go. You write to him. He will write back to you. Rod Farrell. You know, the yeah. other two, Kesey was uh, convicted of two counts of third-degree murder, robbery with a deadly gun or the gun or deadly weapon. Uh, only got about 10 years in prison. And Cooper was convicted of the same charges, but was uh, handed down a 17-year sentence. Both have been released 2006 and 2011, respectively. And now they oh. walk amongst us. The final murder that we're going to discuss here, also associated with Vampire Masquerade. It's a devilish My RPG, word. this one. Yeah. <laughs> um, it occurred in the early aughts. It was the murder of Robert Schwartz, the uh, father of Clara Schwartz. So Clara, another typical goth, goth teen, um, she was into, okay, there she is, hanging out with her crew. Clara's in the middle, in the middle there. Um, her interests were considered dark and gothic. She was a big fan of The Crow, I'm sure. Me too. Um, yeah, I like it. You know, probably listen Every, to Susie um, and the Banshees. Who doesn't? Everyone has to have a little crow phase. I actually watched it, not as in recently, as in within the last six months. And it was just like waves of nostalgia. The Crow? back for me. It can't rain all the time, David. <laughs> you know what I loved about The Crow is uh, I was working at a movie theater when that came out, and they used to do like a midnight showing, and all the goss would come to that one. And it was great, because I'd always end up like making out with some chick. I was going to say, and, all, the, all the ankle. Like, yeah, you know, and you'd always find God. like joints on the ground. It was cool. 
I don't really nice. remember what happened in the movie. I just know he died filming it. <laughs> um, it is. Clara and her friends enjoyed role playing and uh, live action role playing, and they enjoyed uh, playing the RPG Vampire the Masquerade. Not surprised. Read books about vampires, and they were even involved with Wicca. Evil. Oh, my God. Very evil. Uh, this obsession, though, soon, soon turned to murder, as it always does with these RPGs. And uh, she persuaded a friend to kill her father, a respected scientist. Uh, her father was a noted expert on DNA sequencing. And uh, Clara had a long, troubled relationship with her dad. Her dad was not down with the goth scene. He's not into it. He disapproved of her clothing choices, her, her friends, um, you know, didn't like her music. Apparently, he, she felt that he was trying to poison her food. Oh, this sounds off so familiar. Yeah, he was a harsh. Yeah. He was a harsh father, you know? It's like drunk dad, but he was like anti-goth drunk dad. Was your, wait, was drunk dad anti-goth? No, my dad actually encouraged me um, to go further with my goth, goth lifestyle. He loved it. Hmm. Um, but, he, you know, he was a very avant-garde man, so he Boop. enjoyed that I was peacocking, as the Brits say. What would Drunk Dad have thought if he found you live-action role-playing vampires? I think he would have been very, very, very disappointed in me and my life. More so than he did become later on. I think he would have been very disappointed in my lifestyle choices at that point. His drunken stupor. Had taken it too far. What the fuck is going on here, you bloody slags? Fuck! (laughs) (laughs) So eventually... Clara Schwartz's anger towards her father turned to hatred, and she sought out two young men to kill him. And she did. She persuaded one of them, Kyle Holbert, to do it. Holbert, 19 years old, has a long history of mental illness. I think we have a picture of him. He looks like a 90s goth. There's there's a picture of Clara. A little more detailed version of her. Yeah. Very young. You know, she's still got the puppy fat of a 16-year-old. She kind of looks like she could be in the Manson family, one of the Manson girls in that picture. Yeah, because she's pretty ugly. (laughs) (laughs) Here's Kyle. There he is. He kind of looks like the classic 90s goth. Oh, completely. Like, if I had gone to school with someone who looked like him, I probably would have fancied him. It's the curtains and just, like, the, the silver pendants. Yeah, sure. and his long history of mental illness, and the fact that he hangs out at local Renaissance festivals where she met him. Oh no, him. <laughs> no, that's my my pussy is closed for business. Hearing that, that's the another thing there. that uh, young Schmooley will not be allowed to participate in. No Renaissance festivals either. Sorry, buddy. Not no, gonna do I that. agree with you completely on this as well. So uh, Clara and Kyle here were drawn together by their shared fascination with witchcraft and the occult. And Holbert fancied himself a warrior. And he dubbed himself Clara's protector. So when she said, I want you to kill my dad, he's like, all right, I'm down. So we, on a Saturday night here, um, this happened when? This is in uh, early aughts, 2000, oh, uh, 2003. Um, he and his friends, he and, uh, yeah, he and two friends, Michael Full, 22, and Catherine Inglis, 20, drove to Robert Schwartz's Fieldstone Farmhouse. And just as Robert, you know, the DNA scientist here, was sitting down to dinner, Holbert entered the house with a sword that was 27 inches long. Inglis wow. and Full waited in the car. 
And uh, he walked in with a sword and he said, I know what you're doing to Clara and it's going to stop right now. And then he stabbed Robert 30 times with this 27-inch blade. Killed him. Wouldn't you be so good if, like, you know, you you prepared your time, made yourself a really nice dinner, and you're getting ready to eat your dinner after a hard day at work, and this little shithead walks in with a knife, and you didn't even get the chance to eat your dinner? You get gutted by a mentalist, literally. I would be bitterly disappointed that I never got my last meal. Yeah. His body was found two days later when he didn't show up for work. A neighbor easily identified the murderous trio because their car got stuck in the mud outside of Schwartz's house. And then I had oh, my God. It's big you brains know? time time here. <laughs> so Clara and her three friends are all arrested. And uh, when police went through Clara's room, they found a number of Wiccan objects, including a rabbit skin and a book of runes and the role-playing game Vampire the Masquerade. So let's say I have several of those items, but I do not have any role-playing games in my house. <laughs> uh, Clara um, and her defense attorney said that she was just venting about her father, just venting teenage frustrations, never seriously planned his murder. Um, she said that Hulbert misconstrued her words and acted on his own. Um, prosecutor said that uh, Clara Schwartz's desire to get rid of her father was very evident before she met Hulbert. Um, during the trial, her former boyfriend testified that they engaged in a fantasy role-playing game called Underworld, in which uh, her character, Lord Chaos, uh, was asked his character, or um, was an assassin that was, was going to go kill her father. So, yeah. Lord no, she Chaos had is a pretty cool name. She, yeah, she had is plans. It, yeah. Um, after Hobart was arrested and was questioned by police, he told them that he was given permission to perform the murder by otherworldly beings named Saba, Ordog, and Nicodemus. And uh, yeah, yeah, they uh, commissioned him. They were like, you know what? You can do this murder. It's cool with us. Let's go ahead. Go kill the scientist guy. And uh, prosecutors claimed that they, they felt that the lines between real life and fantasy became blurred for Hobart, which led to murder. To murder. Clara is given 48 years in prison. Hulbert's given a life sentence. Foll was sentenced to 18 years. And Inglis was convicted just on misdemeanor charges. She didn't really do anything, you know? No. Yeah. yeah. Just a mate. So I think I've made my case here pretty clear, you know? <laughs> RPGs you lead to murder, you know? And uh, so, yeah, there, there he is. Oh, there's the two. There's the two murderous teens. Committing mm. murder. Um, so after all this negative publicity that was happening you know, in the 80s to, uh, to Dungeons & Dragons, TSR ended up removing all references to uh, demons and devils. You know, and They changed the game. They started referring to uh, devils and demons as Batezu and Tanari, and they referred to as fiends. Never drop the D word anymore. And it was a uh, Gary Gygax. Here he is, the uh, creator of Dungeons and Dragons. Those little characters. Um, yeah, you know, I think I'm sure he was disappointed about it. Uh, at a uh, convention in uh, Milwaukee in 1985, some reporters asked him about Dungeons and Dragons and its association with Satan and murder, and he said, "Quote: Accusing the Dungeons and Dragon games as a reason for teenage suicide." is a cross between McCarthyism and the Salem witch hunts. I have not seen one iota of clinical evidence linking role-playing games with teenage suicide. 
It's only a coincidence because, unfortunately, teenage suicide is an epidemic right now in our country. And unfortunately, what we have here are religious fanatics who object to mentioning of mythical gods or demons and devils in the game. From a game aspect, who else would these good guys fight? I mean, he kind of has a point there. You know, are they going to fight each other? (laughs) (laughs) So it's like groups like Bad and the NCTV, the National Coalition on Television Violence, you know, we've been demonizing, literally, Dungeons and Dragons and trying to limit its influence on teenagers. Uh, one of the TSR spokesmen said the D&D is being made a scapegoat for rampant teenage suicides. Uh, but with the incidence of teenage suicide having tripled in 25 years, it really, you know, at that time, wasn't surprising that parents are looking for something to blame. But in general, TSR and Gary Gygax you know, maintain that it's no more responsible to assume that youths will kill themselves after playing Dungeons and Dragons than to think that children will bake themselves in ovens after reading Hansel and Gretel. I gotta say they have a point. Good quote. Gotta they say do they have, have a point. Um, they're still, yeah, Dungeons and Dragons is still proper nerdy, though. Nobody's saying that, are they? Well, still saying it's a bit crap to play it. You know, I agree with that. I'm not going to disparage nerds here. I'm just going to disparage LARPers. And as the cool uncle, yes. I pledge to make sure Shmuley does not play role-playing games. He doesn't engage in vampire LARPing. I'm not going to allow that to happen. Not on your watch. No. He's going to listen to Motorhead. He's going to drink whiskey. He's going to experiment with drugs and hopefully get laid before the age of 21. That's the influence he's going to get from me. Hopefully get laid before because yeah. that's how old you were. <laughs> <laughs> people it's second wrong episode 782 uh, we got some news stories coming up next uh, some phone calls a little later in the show but first here's a promo about our uh, Patreon page hey guys it's Steven again just calling from Evan through a miracle of cybernetic processes just to say thanks for creating your Patreon page I love to kick back and smoke a fat one with my boy Carl Sagan. While we listen to the extra phone calls and stories we get all the time. Anyway, talk soon. Love you. Bye. So first news story we have here has to do with a dictator dad. Emphasis on dick. I liked the way you spaced that out then. Yep, that was intentional. Dictator dad only let family bathe twice a week and made them sit in the dark. Yeah, this um, guy's an I, asshole. I sit in the dark. Do you know what? I'm, I'm actually much more comfortable with just having like one lamp on. Have the atmosphere. Got to yeah, have the atmosphere. He's talking no lamps. Light. No lamps at all. Not even some mood lighting. Saving the money and electricity. I do walk around the house in complete darkness. I like it. Let there be dark. Are you LARPing as a vampire when you do that? <laughs> I just am a vampire. <laughs> a dad of three terrorized his own family by forcing them to only bathe twice a week and sit in the dark while watching TV programs that he approved. So did drunk like dad do this? Like, did he impose harsh rules when he was, like, really drunk? Oh, no. He could not control us, hence why I got kicked out of the house. <laughs> so drunk dad didn't have any rules? Like, were there any rules in the house? Um, Not from him. Oh, he from mum. Any rules? The mummy, mummy gave us rules, but daddy couldn't give any rules. He's drunk. They change daily. See, the rabbi, the only rule in the house is I wasn't allowed to touch his stash of Manischewitz and porn. 
was about to say, what's my... Please explain, is Manischewitz like a Jewish pastry? Jew, or is no, that the wine? wine? It's like Jew wine. The wine, it's terrible. yeah. First, first uh, wine I ever got drunk on. Purple barf all over the fucking place. It was gross. <laughs> like in the, in the pantry, like I was in the pantry, I drank like, yeah. I don't know, a bottle of it. It's like pure sugar. It's disgusting. Disgusting. Oh. Disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> the family of Rahid Kadla, 56 years old, has have been testifying in his trial at the Reading Crown Court where he's accused of trial cruelty and assault. A jury heard um, the rules that Kadla is said to have imposed on his loved ones. Oh, you got a picture of him here? There he is with the whole family. The whole so Kadla's there on the left, and there's the whole abused family. Um, he imposed these rules on his loved ones, including only allowing them to watch programs that he had picked out and refusing them to even watch adverts for fear of indoctrination. Well, adverts are annoying, so he's kind of doing them a favor there. I yeah, but what do they what do? Shows he's picking out for them. What do they do? Does he make them all close their eyes when he the adverts comes fast, on? Fast, fast forward through them. If he had like Sky Plus or something, you can just fast forward through them. I guess. Um, the family claimed their money-saving father, very miserly, only allowed the hot water to be on for an hour on a Tuesday and a Sunday. And they were all okay. forced to share their bath water. Oh, that's gross. You don't want to share your bath water with your brother when you're over a certain age, do you? That's, that's cruel gross. and highly that unusual. Is it is cruel. Could you imagine that? Sharing bath water? Like, you're not allowed to, like, you have to get in the bath water that your sibling just bathed in. Teenagers stink as well. Would they not stink? Well, I would be more concerned of a brown shark floating in the water. <laughs> <laughs> Codley even made his children sit in the dark after work to save money on electricity. Uh, his eldest son, Kareem, I don't know which one's Kareem here. I'm thinking one of the two guys in the front row. Um, he's 27 years old. He moved out of the family home in Windsor, Berkshire. Where's, where's Berkshire? Berkshire is down south, and it is what it says. It's full of Berks. That's who lives in Berkshire. <laughs> it's, a, it's a city of Berks. Uh, he moved out of the family home in Windsor, Berkshire in 2011. He said it was like a living a living hell, living under a dictatorship. My father was a dictator. And if you disobey, there would be severe consequences. It sounds like it. Every aspect of our life was controlled, where we studied, what we ate, what we watched on television. My father would circle what we had watched on the TV guide. The only show they were allowed to watch... Brooklyn Nine-Nine. That's his, it? That's the only show they could watch? His father maintained Andy Samberg is a genius, so they could only watch Brooklyn Nine-Nine. You are a filthy, only watching twice a week liar. <laughs> Brooklyn Nine-Nine. It's the only show you're watching my home. <laughs> so it's like, but, but Dad, come on. You know, I want to watch Modern Family. No! Brooklyn Nine-Nine! <laughs> Dad, can we watch the Goldbergs? No. No. Uh, Kareem here left home to study at the University of Bournemouth. Was it Bournemouth? Bournemouth. Um, and he only visited infrequently until 2016 when he cut himself off from the family entirely. Don't blame him. I would never go back home. I you would know? never go back as well. I mean, it sounds like dad is just a bit too, like, um, we all like to save money. It's I harsh. do. I like a bargain and a deal. But like, yeah, daddy's going too harsh on his own and you wash twice a week. 
And God. it's also like, do you think they had a system where it's like, so on the Tuesday, the first bond goes in first. And but then on the Sunday, the last bond can go in first just to make it a bit more equal. I bet you know, I bet you the father made the, let the boys go first. He probably he seems like that type, he, you know. I wonder, yeah, I bet the father went first and then from there it would be the pecking order down. I'd help my sibs escape. I'd help all my siblings escape. And yeah, then, it's you know kind of like do? being in war. I'd report his ass to CPS. You guys have CPS over there? Child Protective we have, Services? Yeah, we have like social services. And we have like child, you know, Childline is free to ring. Why did none of them ring Childline? I don't know. I'd ring um, Childline. So uh, Kareem here was forced to hide the fact that he had uh, started his own family. So he'd moved out, cut off all communication with his, his, his blood relatives, and he was hiding the fact that he started his own family because he feared what his dad would do to his new baby girl. Oh, you know? okay. You'll watch Brooklyn Nine-Nine from the age of two <laughs> and only Brooklyn Nine-Nine. <laughs> Brooklyn Nine-Nine. <laughs> Addie Sandberg, genius. <laughs> You ever watch that it show? It is not torture. It is not. It is great show. <laughs> you ever watch that show? I have unfortunately seen it. I've Brooklyn. never actually even seen it. I've seen like two episodes. Uh, the court previously heard how Kadla was a fitness fanatic, and he had made his daughter, Amira, sign a lifelong contract promising she would never get fat, and he weighed her almost daily. Oh my word, that's a very controlling father. You know, though, I was thinking, I was reading about this and I was thinking, I might suggest this to my sister with Shmuley because Jer is rather pear shaped. I don't know if you've ever seen him, he's got like a pear shape to him. Yes, he's chubby, is he? So I think my sister might need to make a contract like this with Shmuels. Yes, promising that Shmuels will never get fat because it's the worst thing that could happen to him. A worst thing ever. Role playing. Yeah. After role playing. Yeah, RPGs are worse. But they kind of go hand in hand. I don't know. Uh, yeah, yeah. Despite being unemployed for more than 20 years, Codla took control that? of family finances. <laughs> well, no wonder he's such a stickler about money because he's getting like no money from like um, on the dole. So I can I can maybe see that, but he's taking it too far. I'd be like, I'd always throw that back in his face. 20 job, years? Dad. Yeah, what a fucking years. deadbeat piece of shit this guy what is. What a lazy motherfucker. Go and work at McDonald's, mate. Go and work anywhere. 20 years unemployed. Jesus. He took control of the family finances, forcing the uh, fat daughter who works as a veterinary <laughs> nurse to hand over her debit card to him. Oh, my God. I mean, he had no job for 20 years, but who's going to rule the family? If he's at work. She's a veterinary nurse. She should have moved away. Bless her. Yeah, I'm amazed that they stayed home. Uh, his wife of 27 years, Sarah Kadla, said uh, the atmosphere at home is really tough. Like walking on eggshells, it was never a happy home. Uh, she said uh, there was always a feeling in the air that could be cut with a knife. It's probably a fart. Um, it was Rashid's <laughs> attitude and aggression. One minute he was nice, and at the flick of a light, he became a horrible person. And he set the rules in the house. There are an awful lot of rules. There came a time when uh, the mother had to have an operation. And so the children were expected to wash up, uh, do the vacuuming, take the rubbish out to be recycled, do all the chores. This guy did nothing, had no job. What do you do? Just like, you know, sit there and, and pick out television programs for the kids to watch and I would like to point take out their to debit deal. cards? To dear old daddy, that a TV guide also costs money, so he could save money by not having a TV guide. 
Well, they're only watching one show. That's true, and he knows what time it comes on. Um, the jury heard that Kareem described occasions where his father would beat him in front of in front of other members of the family. He said the violence started when he was five years old. He was hit with a wooden spoon. Oh yeah. my! That's how my mom would discipline us. With a wooden spoon? She hit us with a wooden spoon when we were truly unruly. We got the wooden spoon. Your mother would hit you with a did drunk dad hit we you with a bottle? Wait, did no, drunk my dad, dad hit you with a bottle of Bailey's? My dad was a pacifist <laughs> with a bottle of Bailey's. <laughs> <laughs> my dad was a real alcoholic, D. He was not a Bailey's <laughs> alcoholic. <laughs> my dad ever, drank whiskey and wine. <laughs> you ever drink Bailey's from a shoe? Um, no, but I could start that tradition if you would like. <laughs> so wait, a wooden spoon, that's a thing? Like, that's a thing in India? Spare the spoon, spoil uh, the child? Yeah, she- <laughs> Only a few times, um, because uh, you may not know this about me, do but I am a good girl. My, <laughs> I only got the wooden spoon a few times. But for I, whoring? I did, I did it for being an orphan slag. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so wait, you, your mother is Indian, right? Uh, my mother, mother is half Indian. Oh, half Indian. That's where probably yes. where she got the spoon tradition. It probably is. Yeah, it probably did come from India. Yeah, I work with an Indian guy. There. I'm going to ask him if he has a wooden spoon. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna ask if that. that's his favorite form of discipline in the household, <laughs> the wooden spoon. She said, "If we did not obey, there would be violence. If you disobeyed him, did or said the wrong thing, and didn't did not follow his directions, it was a wooden spoon to the palm of the hand." Oh no, we got it on. We got it on our ass, man. You got the backside. You get it on the backside. This guy's being quite um, kind. Just on a quick on the hand. Well, he said he would he would hit him quite ferociously. He would hit us until he was satisfied, double figures, and he would punish us in this way whenever he was displeased. Which I imagine was every day, (laughs) like Charles Bukowski's dad. Yeah. Do you think he had a spoon holster so he just whip it out? (laughs) Yeah, he did. Like a oh, my mom would also do that thing where she would take her like slipper off and threaten us with the slipper. That was a big thing. (laughs) Wow, she would hit. That's like Eddie Murphy's mom. Yeah, but my mum was also like that. If you ever saw her take the slipper off and hold it in her hand, you knew you had to fall in line very quickly. I wonder if this guy's spoon was monogrammed. Just the punisher. (laughs) Oh, like on um, Days Unconfused when they've got the paddles. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The wife said her husband was in charge of uh, the discipline at the home, and she saw him hitting her other son. Hitch him with a wooden spoon when he was three years old. They oh, kind wow. of got on with it. They knew better than to do anything about it. If they said something or did something wrong, he would explode and hit them more. Um, the wife said she never told anyone because he was a bodybuilder. And uh, he was double her weight with big muscles. She saw him physically break things in front of him, in front of her, and she was scared of the consequences. So they lived oh. in fear of this bodybuilder dad. I wonder if he did that cool thing where he ripped the phone book in half. That's always impressive when people do that. Yeah, I would be like, all right. I'd be impressed. I'm going to be cool. I'll watch Brooklyn 99. (laughs) I'm going to shut the fuck up. I don't want to get the wooden spoon. You know? (laughs) Codlove uh, Windsor Berkshire here, real Burke, uh, denies three counts of child cruelty and two counts of assault uh, causing bodily harm. The trial continues. Yeah. What a word. Yeah. What a tale. That's Terrible. Crazy. A dictator dad there. What do you have here for the second story? 
Now, my second story is from Dan Ender. Ooh, and this, an Aussie tale. Uh, yeah, there's quite a lot of legal ramifications in this. Things are going to change in Dan Ender. Your story was sent in by Evil Bunny, actually. Oh, yes. Thank you, yep. Evil Bunny. She's uh, got a great eye for the story, and I she always really appreciate does. them. Yep. And this is Eastern Freeway Porsche driver Richard Pusey pleads guilty to free charges. You I'm know, gonna tell you what his free charges I are. I hate that word pussy, because every time I try to type, you know, Easy. text pussy in my uh, phone, it autocorrects to pussy. Who's named Pusey? I can understand well, if it was Busey, like Gary Busey, but it's not. It's Pusey. Pusey. And it's kinda like yeah, it's I've like ever heard. it's not a good one. And he's yeah. called Dick he's obviously Richard, so he's Dick Pusey. Dick that's Pusey. That's quite a good that's quite a good PI name though. Dick, Dick Pusey, Pusey on the case. Yeah. Yes. He's 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 good at hunting pussy, Dick Pussy. It's one letter away from Dick Pussy. Yeah, Dick Pussy. So this Dick Pussy, this Dick Pussy, <laughs> he's the past driver, and he swore as he filmed the final moments of a police officer who died on Melbourne's Eastern Freeway, and he's pleaded guilty. So he's appeared in county court where he accepted responsibility for his actions, which was almost a year after the horror smash that left four police officers dead, four in April 2020. Whoa. It was an accident? Just took out four police officers? Were they standing yeah. in a row or something? I will, yeah, it was like on <laughs> GTA when you run over the, uh, the yeah, Garanga guys. That's like um, fucking like bowling pins. So this has taken months of negotiations. There's been months, and he has now just pleaded guilty to reckless conduct, endangering serious injury, and possessing a drug of dependence. This is know, what the charges have come down to. You want to know why this has taken months? Why? Because this guy's wealthy. If he's was, been driving a yeah, Porsche. Yeah. He's driving a Porsche. He's some rich guy. I'm sure his parents are paying for fancy barristers or whatever, lawyers. You know, if he was like an Aboriginal guy... Be in oh, prison jail for for life. But one of the reasons it has taken so long, and this is part of the deal that he's pleaded guilty for, it's because it's a controversial charge of out, outraging public decency, and his legal team have been arguing that it does not exist. This charge that he's been given. That's why it's taken almost a year. Hmm. It's a weird thing. I've never heard of this before. Outrageous but, decency. Well, 42-year-old Dick Pusey and now accepts that he breached public decency standards by using his phone to create recordings of these dead and dying police officers. And this is what he could be heard saying over on the video. This is like a is world dark. star hip-hop. Yeah, it this is, is dark. <laughs> so he's going, there you go. Amazing. Absolutely fucking amazing. <laughs> All I wanted to do was go home and have some fucking sushi, and now you fucked my fucking car. That's how I imagine he sounds. So wait, this oh. guy, you know, I think I got a picture of this guy, actually. I can share it, share it with everybody. So this guy here, okay, here it is, here it is. So let's see. Um, I don't know if I can make it bigger. There you That's go. That's what she said. There you go. So uh, this is the the car. This is the car that was smashed. So a lorry is a truck, right? Big truck. A lorry is a truck. Yes. Big truck. It uh, totally veered out of the way and must have like smashed into his his Porsche and the police officers. He had been pulled over by the police officers, hadn't they? And then they smashed 
the lorry like didn't see in time and smashed into these four police officers and they totaled like one of the police officers cars is like it does not exist anymore Here's Dick Pusey with his like badminton records, his squash yeah. records. Are those squash records? Or bad, badminton rackets there. Yeah, to your kangaroo car. That's what you're going to yeah. do. And here's so, the four dead police officers who are all standing like right next to each other outside a, his in car. A, in a fucking row. <laughs> <laughs> so let's get one more uh, glimpse here at Dick Pusey. In his with badminton his, shirt. Yeah, his badminton racket shirt. It's a great thing to wear to court. So he has pled guilty. um, But had he not pleaded guilty, which he initially wanted to do, his trial would have been scheduled for late 2022 because of the uh, pressure of the coronavirus. Um, Everything's behind schedule, isn't it? Everything. So what was he planning on doing with this video? Was he going to send it to his friends? Like, here's a video I took berating dying police officers. No one knows what he was doing. It's not like he Facebook lived it, which is also a thing, isn't it? People love to Facebook live yeah, they when do. they're doing naughty things. They do. Yeah. Um, so he said, like, because of all this, like, legal, crazy legal stuff that's going on, he's a defense barrister, said, I know there are different views of the legal and factual validity of that charge of, outra- of outraging public decency. But on one view of the world, there is a dubious legal factual validity of that charge. This is all like where you're like, what do you mean, sir? It's legalese. Yeah. It's like, what, <laughs> yeah. You, what is he even talking about? Yeah. What's he mean, mate? So he's basically pled guilty because he doesn't want to sit in jail any longer. That's it now. He doesn't want, he just wants to get it over and done with. Yeah, but is he going to get a fine or is he going to actually get some jail time out of this? Because of like all the legal arguments that can go on for years and years. That's what they said to him. They were like, these sorts of legal arguments can go on for years. So he's accepting different deals now. So now he's facing a lower level speeding charge that's going to be chucked in at him. He's pled guilty to the charge of outrage. Of outrage of outraging public decency and they're gonna try him at the end of this month because it's all been rushed through was uh he drunk on fosters or something is that why he was driving erratically in his porsche he had mdma Ooh, sushi and mdma hell of a night sushi i just want to get home and eat my fucking sushi you fucking cunts pop my molly pop my molly um so it's weird. It is weird how they're, they're going about this because they're saying that the idea of him filming this video is, is outraging public decent, decency. That's where it's all coming down to. Well, it is. I mean, why would he, like, why would he like need he to do this? It's not like he killed them. Is it? Yeah, but he he's had... reveling in their death. He was, yeah. So it's, it's very strange to me. I like this story. I think it's a violation of public decency. It's like any decent person would have called 911 with that phone rather than videotaping and taunting these dying humans. What type of, do you know what? Sushi is really nice, um, but you can't get good sushi in the UK. So I wonder what type of sushi he had. And he was very excited to well, eat. I just wanted my Australia. fucking sushi, right? You think he was just like, it. You think he was eating his spicy tuna rolls while he was like, you know, standing over the dying police officers? I just wanted to eat my fucking sushi. Just Is that your Australian? Dripping off on these guys. Yeah, it's a, it's my only foreign accent I can do. 
And for I would have, if it had been me, I'd have been like, I would have been more. I just wanted some fucking castle main. That's all I fucking wanted. It's all I do want. I just want some castle main for Oryx. It's I don't been even years. know what that is. What is that? Like beer? It's the first beer I ever got drunk on. And it used to be, they stopped making it in Britain like years ago. And I've ever since they took it's it away Aussie from beer? me. All I wanted. It's an Aussie beer, castle main for X. The It's an iconic Australian how does beer. It, uh, I, how does it compare to Foster's? Foster's is disgusting. We all know this. Disgusting. Disgusting. <laughs> Castle name Forex. I so this guy here, is he still on trial? Easy. Nothing's really happened? PC? At the end of the month, he's going to have a charge. But it is strange because he's not murdered anyone. All he did was film a video and get caught speeding with some MDMA. But he's, yet he's going to, he's been in jail since I think then. He, I think he should be charged for being a fucking cunt. Because the guy's being a, a fucking cunt, mate. Yeah. He's a fucking piece of human. So did, uh, did the shit. police officers die, or were they just injured? All four of them died. Oh, all four of them died. Okay, yes. there's a couple things here with this story. First of all, this guy's a dick because he was like, you know, obviously taking a lot of pleasure in these dying police officers um, before him and videotaping him. But the second thing is, why I think Australian people, when they pull someone over, should go to both sides of the vehicle. Like, why is everybody on one side of the vehicle, especially when you're pulling someone over on a freeway? Why is there four of them there? Yeah, why is there four? Do they all do Australian police officers drive four at a time in a car? Maybe. Where do they put the perps? The perps. In the the boot? In the boot with some wallabies, and there's a little koala there, and maybe there's a kangaroo, and so there's a huntsman spot. The huntsman spider drives the car. The story makes no sense. Anyway, Just like Australia. I hope, this, I hope this guy goes to like, I don't know, gets like gulag in the in the outback or something. Yes, that's what I hope to. People send your story, Instagram podcast, gmail.com. We have some phone calls coming up next, 323-522-4032. But first, here's a word from Adam and Eve. It's butt plug month on adamandeve.com. Show that you still care by bringing something new into the bedroom. And by something new, I mean a butt plug. Because if you order right now and use coupon code DIDDLE, you get 50% off your first item, a gift so sensual I can't even tell you about it on this podcast that talks about murder and bukkake, and on top of all of that, free shipping. Support Sick and Wrong by supporting our sponsor, adamandeve.com, and making a purchase with coupon code DIDDLE. That's D-I-D-D-L-E. So we got a few phone calls to get to. Uh, people, you can call the Sick and Wrong hotline at 323-522-4032. You know, the past couple episodes, I've been touting my brilliant new message. Um, and some people like it. Some people don't. You know, it's, I'm, not, I'm not able to control people's whims and, uh, you know, the things that they like. But anyway, this girl that called in, she actually thinks it's pretty cool. And uh, I appreciate her calling in to tell me this. Steve, I'm listening to your glorious glorious fucking message glorious. slightly disappointed that you did not say keep the anti-semitism to maximum but it is a good jingle it's good to not hear Harrison voice Ooh. Harrison's voice Kate we love you Kate is great bye that's harsh actually I you like know, her I like her moxie she's, <laughs> she's got some moxie Bring thank you back. for my glorious message yeah, um, I actually liked Harrison's voice. Harrison had a great radio voice. He has, a, he's got that kind of like transatlantic thing going on, definitely. Like he could no, be. He a, grew up in the East Coast, so I think. Uh, yeah. yeah, 
He could be a detective in the 1950s in like a Raymond Chandler novel. I was trying to get the uh, Crypt Keeper to uh, record the uh, the 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 uh, wrong hotline message, but it costs a lot of money to get the Crypt Keeper to record the Sycorong hotline message. Way more money than I was willing to part with. I was actually quite surprised. I was like, it's like a fucking, what, 15-second message, 20-second message? I'm talking hundreds of dollars for the guy oh, wow. that voices a Crypt Keeper. Yeah. What a greedy fucking cunt of a Crypt Keeper. I need someone who can do the Crypt Keeper's voice. People, hint, hint. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Give me a call. Yeah, send me an email. Sigrunpodcast.gmail.com. Thank you, listener. You made my day. And mine. Yeah. Um, the next call we have here, I like this guy. This guy's great. Remember the guy that called in about the girl who was showing her butthole on Tinder pics to him? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. And we were, and we were saying, you're being catfished by a dude, for sure. For sure. <laughs> totally. Um, Is he bringing back with an update? Here's an update. Amazing. Hey, this is the guy who called his girlfriend a cunt. You guys were... <laughs> yeah, he did that too. So he's that guy, but he's also the guy who gets butthole pics. Talking shit about my Tinder match, the uh, butthole pictures girl, saying uh, she's a catfish. Well, guess what? Butthole pictures girl is real, and I went on a date with her. Uh, I mean, Whoa. she was down to go to my house for like the first date but i decided to be classy to take her out to dinner is she a northern slag she's she sounds exactly like a northern slag she she is hungry for loving and it's feeding time but don't don't english people think like all american girls are really easy i thought it was the way around because american girls want to be taken on dates whereas we meet in the pub and we shag you that night and then we're in a relationship for six years together (laughs) is that how it works in the uk or is that's that just exactly the north how, of, that's how it works in the north? That's how every single relationship I've ever had has been. We meet in the pub, we shag, and then we're together. <laughs> I've never been, I've never gone on a date and it's ever built from there. This is probably why, like, a lot of my relationships didn't last. Yeah, you, <laughs> this is why you have such healthy relationships. Yeah, why I've never been married. <laughs> uh, it went nice. Halfway through, she went to the restroom and came back. And then I got a text on my phone, and she goes, oh, you should look at that. So I it is did, picture and it was a picture she had just taken of her with uh, her skirt hiked up, no panties on, and my name written in red lipstick above her vagina. God, that's got to be one of the most romantic things I've ever heard a girl doing for a man. That is very romantic. This girl needs taken to pound town. She's putting all the signals out that she wants a one-way ticket to Pound Town. The only time that's ever happened to me, a girl wrote in like a black Sharpie, just filthy Jew right next to her asshole. And I was just like, I'll still wink to that. Yeah, of course. Yeah, why not? You know? Yeah, I mean, it's your, it's your brand. <laughs> you know, it made me it's slightly offensive, but that's cool. Yeah. But yeah, that's interesting. So she goes to the bathroom and she writes that, like his name right next to her pussy. And then... Is this like a courting ritual or something? Like is I don't she know why him? he, <laughs> why he has even spent money on taking this girl to dinner. I personally would have saved the money and just been like, yeah, come over to mine. Some fucking white castles and be like, come on over. Yeah, this girl, you know? this girl wants fed, but she wants fed with cock. She doesn't <laughs> want fed anything else. She wants a tube stick. <laughs> the tube stick. So I kind of got the hint that took her back to my house right away. 
We walked. <laughs> this guy can read between the lines. He's, he's got <laughs> exceptional deductive re reasoning skills, you know. And we had our first kiss ever. Oh, it's so cute, so romantic. And then about four and a half minutes later, I was uh, eating her ass. So yeah, that's kind of a world record for me. Time from uh, first kiss with a girl ever to eating her butt. Four and a half minutes. Not bad, huh? What's your guy's best score at that game? Wow. Well, I, I can tell you one thing. I never eat a girl's asshole out on the first time we have sex. That's not going to happen the first time. No, I always think the first time you have sex with someone is always like kind of pretty fucking awkward. Like you need to build up to well, that, those type of things. I also need to do some inspection. Like True. I need to go down there. I need to like, you know, I'll eat her out, but I'll go down there and I'm inspecting things. I'm inspecting the scent. You know, I'm going to smell. I'm looking visually at the, the, you know, the labia. I'm looking if there's any, like, red bumps or lesions. You're like you know. a contact. You're, you're checking it out. You're giving it the detectives once over. I'm which like is a surveyor. Very wise, you know? very wise thing to do. You know, and I'm looking. I'm looking to see if there's any, like, you know, skid marks or anything on their underwear. I'm looking to see if there's any, you know, residue around the... You know, the sphincter. I'm looking to I'm looking to see before I stick my tongue just like I'm gonna stick my tongue right in your asshole the first time. I gotta go down there, gotta make sure it's like, you know, it's all clean. And how uh, many tastes tongues good. do you think had been in her asshole that week? Because my guess is a lot. And I'm not thinking just hit. at least eleven. At least eleven. She's yeah. she is up for it, man. This one goes to eleven. <laughs> this one, yeah. Eleven tongues in her asshole. No girl is going to be that willing to show your to show her asshole and have her asshole eaten. I'm thinking, but you know what? I don't think this girl's wife material, and I don't think uh, Tinder butthole guys looking for that. No, I think they're just both looking for an asshole and a tongue to meet. You know, that's the that thing. Brief moment. You know, I'm like you know, you know, veering towards middle age. Uh, but that's one thing I've noticed, an observation I've had amongst the youth. They are so into ass-eating. Like, that's a thing. Yeah, it's that, it's that thing, isn't it? They, they well, I mean, it. you're a bit younger than me. You're a millennial. Are you really into ass-eating, Kate Rambo? Yeah, I don't mind a little asshole tickling, but it's not like the end-all and be-all. No, but I mean, do you Gotta do lick. that to the guy? Oh, um, I have done in the past, but no, it's not. it's not for me. Like, yeah, I'm, some, I would some be boys way are too into it, but like, but yeah, that's the thing. I that's what I get grossed out. When I you see like on Pornhub, there's all these videos. She's got like his dick like up, up pulled up, and his balls pulled up, and she's just like going to town, looking his asshole. And I don't know. I mean, I'm just like my word. I've never seen anything like this before. I would. It should be that. that men lick the woman's asshole because men are vile creatures, and men will do things like that. But I women, fully agree with classy. that, and I do that, but not on the yes. first date. Not on the first date, but women are classy creatures, and we should not be licking men's assholes. Would they you be, be shocked ours. if a guy was just, like, cleaning out your rectum, like, you know, the first date? Would you say yeah, something, or would I've... you just go with it? Well, obviously, I have an impeccable <laughs> asshole at all times, <laughs> so I wouldn't be worried about hygiene or anything like that. But I would just be a bit like, well, this is awkward. Because the first time you have sex with anyone, it is always fucking awkward. And he's just making it more always awkward. Always awkward. But tongue in your yeah. butthole. 
I know yeah. it is always a bit. There's always a bit of awkwardness, but by the third time you're having sex at night, then you're like you're fucking into it. Oh yeah, I'm tossing salad. Well, Mazel yeah. Tov on your record there, man. That's impressive. Uh, yes, it is well impressive. Well done. I would like to him to ring back to tell us if he's still licking her asshole now. As he listens to this, are you licking her asshole? I want to know if he got any cold sores a couple of days later. Oh, that's gross. Yeah, See, know. men are vile creatures. <laughs> Here's a guy who would not lick a girl's asshole on the first date. There's no way. There's no way this is going to happen on the first date with this guy. Uh, hello. Uh, this is uh, oh. again. I uh, figured I'd make a little, I guess, belated New Year's update, seeing as it's uh, a few, like a week or so past it. Uh, the one thing I wanted to start before all in saying is that I remember you, uh, D, asking about the D&D game I had made uh, a little while ago in one of the calls. Uh, FM's in the Dungeons & Dragons group. Yeah, I think I, I can see him playing Dungeons & Dragons and enjoying it. I actually think with FM, like Shmuley, I'm not going to let that happen. With FM, I'm going to encourage it. I think FM should be any kind of social gathering type situation engage fm can i just say though that fm has a better social life than either you or i i'm sure he does i don't he I, does he's a, i rarely he goes, leave my home he goes and tries everything like which is a brave thing to do he's he will he's game for anything literally like i say no to everything because i'm i just want to sit in my dark house yeah, I pretty much James hate everything. By candlelight, I'm just a yeah. Bitter old Jew. We're miserable creatures. Yeah. So good on you, FM, yeah. for good on you, getting FM. out there, buddy man. Yeah. The character I had explicitly played was a uh, a mage. Uh, I figured it would be at least a bit fun. Uh, one of the skills was me use uh, prestidigitation, which is just as long as I can make it up using my hands, uh, I could basically do anything if I thought hard enough. You probably don't really care, but I figured I'd be say that. I do care, FM. I almost called him Eminem. FM, I do care. (laughs) I do care. I love his description of a mange as well. You could just do anything with your hands. Press digitation, right? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's a good skill to learn, though. Women do enjoy that. They do. Curious. And mainly, I just wanted to take a moment to talk about how I've, after this year, especially after the uh, the call in I had given about my sister's dilemma, I, I guess I finally broken into a form of acceptable nihilism about it, if you would. Uh, at this point, I'm very does. laissez-faire. I've started cleaning up the mess that she left, all the items out of the house, and I've just been trying to focus uh, more on myself. Uh, I figured from cleaning up a very, very dirty attic to focusing on more home, uh, I guess, home projects. Wait a second. What did she leave behind? She was just a dirty bird? Just left? Yeah, I think she left loads, all of like her stuff behind. tampons and she all kind of, crap. She kind of left in a... In a bit of a, a fallout, I think. So I think she's left a lot. Refresh of my memory. What'd she do? Like join a circus? Like where would she just leave? I can't really remember the whole story. He did tell us, but it was many whiskeys ago now. FM, since she told the story. <laughs> um, but so she's what? gone. 
fun. And <clears throat> I'm proud that FM is just like, yeah, you can't change people. And you've just got to let go you sometimes. Can. You can't change people. Can't. It's true. You can't. Sometimes it's also better to just let people go and, and figure it out on their own. Their own you know, lives. They'll come exactly. back. They'll come back. Yeah. yeah. Uh, working on things like uh, baking more bread, uh, uh, disinfecting, let's say, like basements and the attic, trying to get more technical skills, uh, just trying to improve myself on a more whole uh, level. Not really much I can do in terms of neighbors anymore. Uh, my one next-door neighbor finally left, uh, put in a home, and I can't really reach out. And the other one, uh, my other neighbor on the other end, actually lost uh, his mind, in my opinion. He was a Trump oh. supporter, and these past few days have been kind of a wreck for him. He's actually, uh, I think, still in lockup because he uh, fucked some shots, if you will, at a person for wearing a Biden shirt, and he's <laughs> kind of in a county jail right now. Wow. But other than that, I think I'd at least end this with, I guess, a mini question for uh, you and Kate. With all the things I'm doing to try and improve myself, I was wondering if sort of a, a conversation starter or an icebreaker, what do you do do to, I guess, deal with all of this madness so far? Uh, keep it sick, keep it wrong, and uh, thank you. He said do do. <laughs> That's how you deal with it. <laughs> what do we do to keep up with the madness? Um, well, I drink. Yeah, no, I was about to say, I drink heavily. I drink, smoke listen a lot to of weed. music. Yeah, smoke weed, watch films. Occasionally uh, do a little books. cocaine. Um, um, see, oh, I've said this all along because I'm an essential worker. I've been going to work, so I still have like social, you know, connections through work. work yeah. So, like, my, yeah, my life really hasn't changed all that much. It's just that I really miss fucking gigs and like miss miss all the things that everyone misses and miss traveling. But yeah, I just drink. You know, them. I've realized through this whole COVID thing, especially after, cause you know, I bro broke up with my girlfriend and I just have been by myself since, oh, when is that like May of last year? Yeah, nearly um, a year, isn't it? Yeah, almost a year. I've learned that I actually really enjoy just being by myself. I love it. I've I love by it. Myself I have a really good time. Years. One of my favorite things to do is, you know, smoke a bunch of weed, get some really good whiskey, and yeah, like watch a movie from the eighties or seventies. Doesn't matter, as long as it's yeah. not like a contemporary film, because most of the time I hate those, except for horror. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't, or just listen to records or whatever. You know, it's like I don't really feel the need to go out in society. I don't really. You know, I'm, I'm content with myself. Yeah, know? I love living alone. I've done it for a long time, five years. Well, ever since, really, I've been on my own a long time, longer than that. But it's just fun. It's fun to be by yourself. I feel sorry for all the people who are trapped in awful relationships from this whole COVID time. They're the true kids. victims. Yeah, they're or the have true kids, victims. Especially the ones that have kids and they have to, like, I hear this because, you know, I work, you know, I work remotely. And it's like you're in these, like, zoom meetings with your coworkers, and every two seconds you'll start hearing these like children screaming and they'll be like oh hold on one second i gotta go yeah my, my kids are acting up hold on a second and you'll hear them off camera would you shut up i'm trying to like, have a meeting and you're just like wow yeah fuck that i 
have no interest in that. And I'm actually quite comfortable just being by myself. So how do I cope? FM, I cope with a lot of booze. I cope with a lot of drugs. I cope with uh, a decent record collection. I cope with a good book. I also cope, yeah, books. I also cope by spending money I don't have on Discogs and spending money I don't have on eBay. You buy a lot of clothes and things like that. Uh, Well, yeah, but a lot of it I'll sell on buying vintage clothes and antiques that's kind of a hobby though like you buy it you sell my side hustle baby my side hustle and you know to be honest i you know between work and this fucking podcast that takes up a lot of my time so i would almost say fm get a hobby you know find something that makes you money you know and that that you could do independent of work because like i've always felt like work like work's not my identity I do have a job, a no. full-time job. It's not my identity. And I think a lot of people, it does become your identity because your home life is your family. So you have your family, you have your work, and that's pretty much all you have. Whereas when you're someone like me who doesn't have you know, family, doesn't have a significant other really, you know, it's just like I focus on my art, hobby, passion, something like that. You know? And I think that's what it is. Find your passion. Yeah, and that's great how you advice. Cope, you know? Yeah. I think my passion is a bottle of Maker's Mark most of the time, but hey. Oh, I love Maker's Mark. That's, that's a like, good time. That's uh, my favorite. Yeah. yeah. Booker's. That's a good one, too. Anyway, thank you, FM. It's always great to hear from you. I hope you're doing well, man. Um, people call Sigrun Hotline, 323-522-4032. Uh, winding down the show, here's where we plug all of the many sick and wrong related things. Uh, the Reddit page. I actually haven't been on the Reddit page recently. Have you been I on there? Have you been on there, Kate? Yeah, I posted some spicy memes this week. Spicy. On there. Some, some spicy, spicy memes. memes. There's Are a lot you? of spicy memes on there. I enjoyed the Reddit page. I got to get back on there. I'm going to try to do it this week. I have a bunch of things that have been like accumulating that I need to post. I just haven't had a chance to. R slash sick and wrong podcast, no spaces. Um, also, the Patreon page. You know, we talk about it every week, but. There's a lot going on on the Patreon, and we've had like a ton of people signing up recently. Yeah, it's which, great. Yeah, it's awesome to get all these new people. And what's cool about it too, when you sign up for the Patreon, we give you a Discord link, and you can access the Discord. There's a pretty thriving Discord community going on there. Um, but you know, you get a lot of additional content. If you're a sick and wrong fan, you want to support the show, you appreciate what we do every week, and you want a little bit more, sign up for Patreon. Only five dollars. You get a lot of shit for five bucks. I don't know how many other I don't know how many other shows do as much as we do on Patreon. Because a lot of them, us. well, a lot of them, you know, for like five bucks, we'll do like a, one extra show, and it's like an extra hour or something. You know, we not only do an extra phone call or extra phone calls, an extra news story. We do a whole new segment called Sick and Wrong News. News. Yeah, and this, that's already like. And, and including outtakes, that's already like an extra two and a half hours of content every week. And I'm often drunk. You're often drunk. I am drunk. often drunk. Kate gets wasted on the news, yeah. <laughs> well, do. Patreon like is a little, you know, it's a little more like it's relaxed. It's more relaxed. It's yeah. more fun times. It's Yeah, you know, get a little drunk, hang loose, have a little more fun. But Zick and Wrong News is kind of like, I've actually been enjoying news a little bit more. Um, I've been enjoying the news well, as well. Because, I mean, Sick and Wrong has its own structure. It has its own structure. It also has its own theme. Whereas news, 
we can do whatever. You can do a murder. You can do celebrity news. You can do what you know. Uh, this week, actually, we go into a lot of detail about how shocked Kate was to find out about the Royals being racist. I couldn't believe it. I was like, I don't think it's that big of a shock. Kate shocked. I beg to belief at it. I yeah. cannot believe that the royal family in this country were racist. <laughs> yeah, totally shocked. Uh, we also discussed Hillary Duff's lightning crotch pains when she was pregnant. Us talking about Hillary Duff was like two mums and dads going, Who is she? <laughs> who is this young lass? You know, I this still story. don't even know who she is. Is I she like a Disney star or something? Is. I still don't I even don't, know. I still don't know who she is. I still think she's Leanne Rhymes. Finally, we get into uh, Goebbel, you know, the Nazi. He had a whole sex mansion. So go check it out. Just go to Sick and Wrong, patreon.com slash sick and wrong. Sign up today, $5. You get all that shit. And if you want to go a little crazy, and go the ten dollar route. Not only do you get all the five dollars stuff, but you also get the bonus episode uh, uh, Overkill, our uh, Sick and Wrong mini-sode uh, that Kate does every week, and I, I sometimes join her too. This week you're on your own, and it was like a cult themed, right? Like what was it on? Yeah, I vote it's for the uh, Australian listeners because I, I love them all, and I picked two Australian occult murders, one of which I'd never heard of before, and uh, yeah, it was really fun. I enjoyed doing that one. Yeah, and they're gruesome. The second one that I talk about that I'd never heard about, I was like, what the fuck? And you can find like crime scene pictures from that. And it's like, yeah, it was shocking, mate. They do things different down under. Yeah, we're trying really hard with the Patreon. A lot of, a lot of, new, a lot of stuff <laughs> going on over there. Patreon.com slash sick and wrong. Sign up today. Support the show. We do appreciate it. Um, finally here, uh, the um, Tea Public store is actually having a sale this week. So if you're fast about it, I think it, I think it ends on Monday. But it's like 35% off. So just go That's to podcast.com slash shop, click on the picture of the Pope, and you can buy like T-shirts and sundry other items at a discount right now. Uh, Sigurong Song of the Week. We're going to end the show here with some fantasy metal. Uh, this band actually, I know the lead singer, Theo... He's a good friend of my friend Danny. He's also a uh, tattoo, a really good tattoo artist, actually, up in the Bay Area. Uh, but he's in this band called Orchid, kind of like a. They remind me a lot of Black Sabbath, but they're good. They're a fun band to see live. Um, they're a uh, doom metal, I would say. San Francisco, found in San Francisco, probably in like mid two thousands. I think okay. they're still around. Actually, I haven't I haven't seen them in a long time, but uh, put on a good show. Anyway, this song is called Wizard of War. It's from one of their EPs. From a band called Orchid, go check them out. Um, and you know, you know, I, I was thinking about this. I don't mind if Shmuley's into fantasy, like high fantasy. I mean, he can read Lord of the Rings. He can watch the movie Willow. In fact, uh-huh. I want to make him watch the movie Willow because <laughs> that's an important movie to see. It's like a rite of passage. Um, but he, he can also listen to fantasy metal. I just don't want him to get into the RPG thing. All right, no RPGs, no LARPing. You know, Only Dio. That's where I draw the line. Only Dio. People will be back next week with episode 783. Till then, take it sleazy.
Butt is a very popular meme. It's one of the most popular memes that there is. I think you're making this up, Dick Butt. You've never seen this. Oh, Dick Butt. <laughs> You've never seen that? I have seen Dick Butt. Everybody's seen Dick Butt. I just never knew that was his name. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's got a dick in his butt, but it's not like you know, penetrating. It's just in between his it's butt cheeks. Dick- but, yeah, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm aware of dick butt. It's a dick with the balls under a, the butt, but with a dick in his dick butt. butt. Yeah. It's so very it's intelligent. Meta. It's meta. It is. Yeah. It's very intelligent, and I'm glad I was reminded of that guy's existence. There you go. There's one thing I'm good for. It's remembering <laughs> dick, name dick butt. <laughs> and name memes that you shouldn't even have to think about. 